Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Dr. Carol Francis from Los Angeles. Welcome to Make Life Happen, and I'd like to introduce to the listeners Mark Mettler. And Mark, good morning. How are you doing? I'm good, Carol. How are you? I'm doing fine. You're calling from sunny Colorado. I see from the weather report that it's bright and 88 degrees in Denver. Well, it's supposed to be. I'm in the uh, foothills outside north of Denver, so it's it hasn't gotten there yet. But okay. Oh. You have been in the Colorado area for some time, and you have been working with children and families and the court system, doing any number of different very helpful but difficult uh, activities. Would you like to describe what your background is before we go on to the primary discussion, which is child custody evaluation? Uh, yeah, I can give you a little bit of background, and it's it's fairly diverse. Um, my my uh, education is is uh, I've got I've got degrees in psychology and sociology. I do not have a doctorate degree. Um, I'd worked for uh, Department of Social Services, which became the Department of Human Services in Denver for about 15 years, 16 years, and then I took a manager's position in Larimer County, which is in Fort Collins, north of Denver, and I and I worked there for another 15 years, always in um, uh, child protective services uh, and adolescent services. Okay. So my is uh, a lot to do with kids that were removed from homes and placed outside of the homes and doing custody evaluations in child protection matters. Okay. So you, you are not at least bit adverse to the topic of child abuse and, and the complications all of that arises. I'm, I'm, a, I'm well educated in that. Uh, we get a lot of, got a lot of training in that when you're, when you're actually doing child protection intake on, uh, on abuse and neglect cases. You changed then to what next profession? Excuse me? I'm sorry. You changed to what next profession? Your next profession was, is that a child family investigator? Uh, yeah, I left, I left working at the, uh, the department, and I, uh, <laughs> I, did, I, I do a number of different things, but I, I pursued what's called a child and family investigator, and that's a, uh, a special role that was actually designed by uh, the State Judicial Department in Colorado to provide investigative services in custody cases for the courts. Is it, and that is distinguished from child custody evaluators? Well, I thought about this this morning a little bit, and I think that this might be a little bit, it may be helpful to you. My, my experience in working as uh, a CFI, a child family investigator, uh, what I've realized is that a great deal of the time I spend trying to find the truth. And I think the court's decision to, to design the CFI was, was for the purpose of bringing information to the court so that they could come to the truth. Yes. Uh, you know, un unfortunately, in the custody situations, there's at times when people are in conflict, and I work nothing but high-conflict cases, um, okay. Lots of things are said that aren't factual. How do you discern that? Oh, just a second, Mark. We have a caller. Would you like to take a call? Sure. Here we go. Hello, caller. This is Dr. Carol Francis. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm so sorry. We can't hear you. Sorry about that. Call back. 
call back. Okay, Mark, continue on. Sorry, we lost our caller there. Um, the the process of finding truth in a situation sure. where parents have a lot of investment in deceiving the court in order to win child custody. What do you do? How do you find truth? Well, it, and that's a. Uh, it comes from you know it comes from a process of doing a lot a lot of interviews. Uh, I go to the family homes. I, I I do a number of meetings with the adult parties. I meet with the children. I I observe the interactions between the uh, the children and the parents, and I collect a lot of information from uh, from other resources. The schools are excellent resources. Coaches, neighbors, um, family, friends. Uh, employers, all of these people, uh, nothing is a secret. I ask all of the, uh, the parents to provide me with names of people that can per- give me information that can substantiate what they're telling me, and they, they provide me this information. I go from there. If, if in the process of collecting information I feel like there's something missing, I try to find yet another person that I can speak to. So it's a lot of it's a lot of research, and I understand I understand why the court calls us investigators, and not call and not necessarily calling us custody evaluators. Now, not to pick on anyone, Mark, I really don't mean to do that, but I am very concerned about this because I know many many cases you and I have spoken about where the child custody evaluation has actually not discovered the very core issues that later were to cause tremendous complications for the children. I work with children. I work with families. I see the residual impact of this. It's startling to me. I know that I've told you some stories that have startled you as well. Um, so in the contrast between the child custody evaluation and what you are providing and those individuals that do not provide an exhaustive evaluative process, what does the consumer do? How does the consumer make sure? How does the parent make sure they have someone that's going to be a thorough and as detailed as you are. Well, yeah, I. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's going to be interesting because when you say, "Well, how does the consumer get this?" First of all, I think it's really important to understand that my role is is an, is I, I'm an impartial. I don't represent the consumers. Um, uh, my priority is best interest for the child. So when a when a consumer is looking at, at hiring uh, a CFI to do the job, they, they have to have a really sincere interest in what is best for their child versus what they would like for themselves. Okay. And, and if I were going to go out and find myself a CFI, I'd be asking them, them questions that would give me some indication of how unbiased they are. What is their cultural experience? You know, I work with different okay. races, and I think that's important. What's their experience in working with families and how well do they know family systems? All of those things I think are important and I think those would be questions worthwhile asking. Yes, but it, absolutely. But it's really important for them to understand that, that, that the CFI does not represent them. Okay. Um, who, do, who do you represent, Mark? I, if I represent anybody, I represent the child. Ah. So if a child comes before you and says, look, it, I, I'm being abused by parent A, what do you do? 
is being abused by parent A? Yes. Parent, there's parent A and there's parent B. The child okay. says to you, I am being abused by parent A. Tells you all sorts of different stories. What do you do? Well, <laughs> with, with having a background in child protection, it would be relative to, to, to what kind of abuse is occurring. If there's physical abuse... I'm a mandated reporter. If, if you're familiar with that term, if, you're, if your listeners aren't, any, any person in my role who is witness to or is get, has been given information that there's an indication of abuse occurring, I'm required to contact the Department of Human Services or law enforcement and report that an abuse has been reported to me. Okay. And then it would be investigated by the Child Protective Services people. I'm not in a in a role to actually carry out the abuse investigation, okay. but having but having that as a background, I certainly can can ask some questions, gather some information that makes the need for an evaluation something that that is is understood. Now, how does um, that inform form your work then, in terms of making recommendations to the court? Well, safety is a priority. That's the number one priority in terms of doing any kind of a, an evaluation with regard to custody. And, and if I'm coming across a case where a child is being severely physically abused or emotionally abused, it's certainly not a good indicator that that environment is conducive to the, to the, the well-being of the child as far as their emotional growth or their physical growth. And my recommendation to the court would reflect that I don't think that that environment is a healthy environment. Now, I okay. do believe in parents having relationships with their children, so I would be suggesting that if that's the kind of situation that exists, that those parents get some treatment, that they're doing something to, I guess, address their problems so that they can have a healthy relationship with their children. I wonder if you have a parent that says, oh, it's all a lie, it's completely bogus, it's being made up. I know that in the state of California we have many cases where parental alienation syndrome is being espoused to such a degree that the California legislature is thinking of eliminating the ability to use that as a defense in court for family courts because it's just been so misused. But what do you do when the parent says this is simply not true? These are bogus claims. Well, uh, I, I guess that comes back to then the the responsibility in my role as an investigator. <clears throat> if the person is telling me that this is absolutely not true and, and incidents have been given to me of something occurring, I'll very simply ask them, well, do you have a witness? Do you have a person who can tell me uh, what happened that was there and saw what went on? And the, the, the thing about the job that I do is that it can't be just allegations and stuff. If people are going to allege something, then they better have something to back it up. I like your it's a, objectify it. Objectify it. You're going to say it. Objectify it. Give it to that. Proof. That that generally works because as I've sat down with people and they're telling me all kinds of things that have gone on, I say, okay, you know, that sounds real serious to me. Do you have somebody that witnessed that? Witnessed what happened? that I can speak with. And when they start backpedaling a lot, then I start wondering about the truth of what they're telling me, quite honestly. Okay. All skeptical. You have a wonderful quote here that you sent me. I'm going to read it out to you, Mark. It kind of changes a little bit of what we're saying, but puts a different spin on the broader picture of child 
and dealing, who's dealing with divorce. You said, I don't believe that divorce needs to be approached with blaming or battles to determine who can provide the most. Giving your child every opportunity may not be in their best interest. Entitlement does little to encourage personal growth. When things don't work, does someone have to be a victim? Can people get divorced without either of them present, presently uh, presenting as mental deficient? So I, I'd love to hear you elaborate more in terms of your passion about parents managing the situation so that their children, children's lives are optimized. Well, you know, Carol, I guess to, to back it up, to, to try to try to find some beginning to that whole thing, uh, you know, I think it's I think it's really important for people to have an understanding about relationships, and when relationships dissolve, and I, and I, and I've been married and I've been divorced, so I've had that experience. Um, I know that a lot of people have difficulty when divorce occurs, and they generally are looking for somebody that's the cause of that. And unfortunately, at times, it, it would be nicer if they could just sit down and recognize that, you know, sometimes people do grow apart, and there doesn't have to be somebody that's at fault. They can just be moving in, in different directions. Um, I don't think a lot of people do well with conflict. The unfortunate thing is when people get into that situation of wanting to find somebody to blame for the failure in the relationship, and it's complicated by the by them having children and trying to trying to uh, uh, I guess win custody to use that term. Uh, it, it involves often, and, and I guess that's where I'm, I'm I make comment to the entitlement of children. Uh, I often see people entertaining their kids to yes. try to garner favor yes. and hope. My child will like me more than they like the other parent. Right. And what a dilemma. I, I find that extremely damaging to the children when it comes right down to it. And it, it creates an artificial environment that when they become adults, that, that's not going to happen. Not, not everybody in their lives, their employers, their own spouses, their friends are going to try to appeal to them in, in that kind of an artificial sense. So... To me, it's real important that, that the life that a parent has with a child is, is realistic and deals with practical matters. Well, let's be practical then for a moment. You know, say that you do have a child that is uh, preferring to go with the other spouse, uh, the ex-spouse, so that now the parent is feeling rejected and abandoned and inferior. What does that parent do? to not indulge and at the same time maintain a positive relationship with the child? Well, <laughs> see, what, what you said, Carol, is that there is one parent that can't indulge the child and as a result the child is elected to go to the other parent? Am I, am yes. I hearing you? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. You know, um, and, and this is going to be a... This is going to be an interesting piece for personal growth. Uh, it's going to be important for that person to to be introspective enough to value where they're at. You know, the most important thing that you're going to probably give to your children is some sense of value. And it may be difficult to have your child go to that other parent, 
because you stay committed to to uh, reality or you stay committed to some some ethical issues or values that you have. But in the long run, when that child gets older, the child will look back and see the character of that parent. You hope, right? Well, you know, I do hope. Yeah, I do hope. But it's been, it's you know, it's been my experience as, as I've grown up and as I've talked to friends and stuff that we, we reflect back on the people that have an impact on our lives, and most of the time what we look at is character. Hmm. It, isn't, it isn't the thing that somebody bought you. You know, I don't remember the, the things necessarily that people bought me, but I do remember the time and the, and the energy somebody gave to me. So as a parent in a divorce situation, you are in a competition, so to speak, to have the child's attention. As soon as you enter into that competition with an attitude of I'm going to win it as opposed to help the child, then you're going to really lose, even though you might win the, com- the competition at the moment. Well, you'll win. Yeah, you'll win. you can win that thing temporarily. But uh, I had the experience. I worked for years as, a, as, a, as an adolescent conflict counselor. And in that role, I was working with lots of blended families. And typically, I'm working with, I was working with kids from, from age 12 to 18, and they were coming in because they were, the kids were running away from home. They weren't listening to any rules. They were doing pretty much whatever they wanted. And what, I, what, what, came, what came to my attention regarding those cases is so many times it was children from divorce, and it was situations where the parents had not really solidified, these divorce, by parents I mean divorce, the divorced parents, had not really solidified how they were going to interact with their child. And so that, there was no great plan. And there was no great process of decision making. And the kid had learned how to play both sides to the middle. Yep. And every time, something, every time one of the parents tried to set a limit that was a reasonable limit to set, the kid was running away or the kid was, I'm going to dad's or I'm going to mom's because they really care about me. And because the adults had never figured out how important it was for them to have some workable relationship, the divorced parent, those problems just continued to exist. What and did it, you and do? It, what did I do? Yes. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time, I would sit down with the parents. We talk about setting up some kinds of limits and, and creating some kind of expectation. And if the, if the child was saying, I need to go to live at dad's because you're just too hard here, mom, I can't deal with you, I, I, would, I would at times encourage the, the mother to say, okay, fine, you can go to dad's. But you, you go to dad's with this understanding that when things go bad at dad's, you don't just come running back and dancing back into my house. Mm-hmm. These are the behaviors that you need to be able to exist to be with me. And obviously this works best when you can talk to dad and say, this is what I'm doing. Because my experience was dad would have the same experience with the child. Hmm. They, 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 they would have magical thinking and be on this kind of vacation plan for only a while. Hmm. And, well, and it, what, I'm sorry, Mark, but it, it really does speak to the, the hope that the parents are going to be mature individuals. I think that when I work with individuals going through serious divorces, they are either very mature about it or they fall apart or they're very immature about it. And um, the individuals that are very immature about it tend to be in the most controversial divorce and child custody battles 
I hate, I don't like to put immaturity on that, but one or other of the partner is wanting to battle as opposed to wanting to negotiate and compromise. And I guess that's where I'm applying the term immature. And so if, if one or both of the people are wanting to battle, in California, that's when the court doesn't know what to do, throws up its hands and says, okay, let's do a child custody evaluation. The child custody evaluator will tell us what the truth is, who's the better parent, and what sort of arrangement we should have for the, you know, for the, for the custody percentages. Then it enters into this very long, often horrible mutual accusations are harmfully hurled at the other person. The other parent finds out about it. The kids are in the mix of it. The kids are tormented by having to go through the interview process and not knowing what's going to be the outcome. So that the whole process of child evaluation custody uh, uh, in, in, in California is a very difficult, very serious, and very controversial circumstance. Now, in light of that, in light of that backdrop, and in light of you trying to promote parents being as mature as possible about raising sound and healthy children in a divorce situation, what would you like to flesh out? What would you like to say about your role as a child and family investigator in terms of that scenario that I painted for you? <laughs> if I put you on the spot. Well, you know, it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult situation. What you described when people when parents are really invested in fighting, uh, Carol, there's nothing that's going to stop it. Right. I'm not going to stop it. The court's order is not going to stop it. Now, I've been involved in cases where there have been you know numerous evaluators prior to my getting involved in it, and these the I'm I'm involved in it because. There's been no resolution. The conflict continues. Right. And and you can you can eventually get to the point where I guess you can walk into the court and this is what the this is what I have experienced. What I've seen the court do is the court just gets tired of dealing with the, the accusations, the allegations, and it will it will come to the point of entering an order for sole custody, uh, you know, sole parenting time and sole decision-making with one parent in an effort to stop uh, that, that cycle of conflict. But Even though the, that may not be in the child's best interest. No, it, I, I, don't, I don't believe that if, if you've got a couple that's in this heavy uh, degree of conflict, I, quite honestly, I, I don't. I don't think that the child being continually exposed to that conflict is in the child's best interest. And I don't know which parent necessarily should have to sacrifice. But you know, neither, neither of the parents, if they're that committed to conflict, they're actually being role models for the child. Yeah. But there is. I have no answer to your question about what to do necessarily <laughs> those people. You know, I have sat. I, I have one very simple thing that I tell people, and if they're mature, and we, we use that, you were using that description, I'm, I'm not sure that's always available to people, but if they are mature, it is seek, seek first to be kind rather than to win. Hmm. And, and if people actually look to do that in their relationships, then that, that situation with the child custody thing 
Uh, it's not a problem. The, the, the children will find their way to the parent that nurtures them in a healthy fashion. Hmm. That, that's been my experience. Go ahead. Go ahead. We have a caller, but go ahead and finish your idea. Uh, I I think that children actually want to have some limits, and they want to have some sense of value, and I don't think that they necessarily get that by being indulged. Yeah. Caller, hello. Welcome to Make Life Happen. Can you hear me? Hello, caller. We're not having any luck with our caller. Hello? Hello? Okay. (laughs) Okay. We'll have to figure that one out in a moment. We have gotten a couple callers here, Mark. You're, you're, you're setting off some interesting ideas along the lines. Now, the process, when does a parent decide to request a child custody evaluation? Uh, it, it happens. It happens. That the process in Colorado is that the people going through divorce before they go into uh, seeking a a child custody evaluator will go through mediation in in an attempt to come to some kind of resolution and to be able to formulate some kind of a parenting plan. If if they just cannot come to any kind of agreements, then at that point they have the option of coming to the court and seeking uh, a child and family investigator. Sometimes Sometimes the parents initiate that, Sometimes the court initiates that. If, if cases come to the court's attention over and over again because it can never come to resolution, the court will literally enter an order that a CFI needs to be involved in the case, and they'll give them 10 days, go find a CFI. But the court just will not deal with hearing, uh, hearing their case anymore without an evaluation being done by a CFI. Got it. Okay, we have a caller again. This is Dr. Carol Francis. Welcome to Make Life Happen. Hello? I just can't seem to hear them, Mark. Sorry about that. You've got some interesting people. Hello? Hello? Oh, I'm so sorry. I cannot hear them. You know, please call or call back. I'm going to give you number 310-543-1824. Call back after the show's over. We'll see if we can get Mark back on to answer your call. Um, Mark, it seems to me that parents need to be advised that if at all possible, they opt to avoid a child custody evaluation or any battle that would make that necessary. Do you think that's a wise recommendation or no? I would, if I was in the, if I was a divorced parent with children, I would do everything I could to avoid getting into a child custody battle of some sort or evaluation. Okay. Um, I think, and this makes great sense, and tons of people have written about this. Unfortunately, the custody evaluations and battles that occur legally occur in uh, a legal arena. The legal arena is designed to win and lose. It's not conducive to compromise. It's not. It's it's not a therapeutic environment. Right. And and unfortunately, I've seen a lot of people that I think would have done better if they didn't have attorneys. Not that the people that were attorneys were bad people. It's just that attorneys, an attorney's purpose in a case is to, is to win for their client. Sometimes that's right. not in the child's best interest. Sometimes it's not in the client's best interest in terms of developing working relationships with the other parent. Right. 
So we hire our attorneys because they're supposed to go in there as mercenaries to battle for us and to win. They will create whatever scenarios or quote-unquote perceptions that the court will swallow, and uh, they will also school their clients as to how to respond to a child custody or a child family investigator. How can you detect when you know that they've been schooled by their attorney? Uh, you know, asking enough questions and, and gathering. I, I collect family histories. I collect relationship histories. I get a lot of information. So when I'm sitting down with a parent and I'm asking some, them some question about their relationship with their child or their relationship with the other parent, I guess I'm, I find it generally fairly easy to discern whether or not they're just parroting something their attorney told them to tell me or or it's or it's something that's actually you know real and something that's occurred in their life have <laughs> a real live phone in the background. I'm trying to get this caller on the line too. okay, I'm gonna try to call her one more time. We have a short amount of time. Let's see if we can get them on. Hello, caller. Hello, caller. I'm trying to hear you. Hello. Oh, Mark, how oh, frustrating. You have got a very persistent caller here. We wanted to see if they can give you. What do you want to say in summary here, Mark? Um, I, I, would just, I, I would just like to encourage the parents that are going through the divorce process to slow themselves down enough to take a look at the fact that their marriage relationship may not have worked. If they can still maintain some level of, of mutual respect in and, and communicating with each other when they have children in common. It'll be to their advantage. It'll make their lives easier, and it'll make the lives of their children much, much better. Yes. Children deserve to have a relationship with both of their parents, and I think that that, that can be beneficial to children if the parents can, can communicate with each other and interact with each other in some kind of a, a mentally healthy way. Yes, Absolutely. Um, okay, I'm going to try this caller one more time. We're offline, but this caller is very persistent, Mark. So let's see. Hello, hello. Hello, caller. I cannot seem to hear you or of any sort. So you're going to need to call me at 310-543-1824 after the show. Mark, we are off here. I have to call you back. Okay, that'll work. I got a message on the other. 